this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. bringing you another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast. How are you doing today? I hope things are going absolutely amazing for you. Things are going pretty awesome here. I've got to say, you know, it's summer starting to wind down here in Phoenix. I say that as, you know, it's probably going to be like 110 degrees today, but that means winding down. The official end of summer in Arizona is typically Halloween. So it coincides with my most favoritist, my most favorite holiday of all time, which is Halloween. So I'm super pumped. Summers, yeah, you get used to it. Like I I've, I've said that more than a few times and people look at me like I'm crazy, but you, you kind of get used to it. You just kind of adapt. And that's what it's kind of what we people do, right? We just kind of adapt to stuff and figure it out. Before we jump into today's podcast, do me a favor, head over to the website, www.thehopnerd.com. Follow along on all things social media at The Hop Nerd, except for Twitter because it is super duper special. And I don't know, Twitter's not all that much fun, so I don't really check it that much. I'm not tweeting. I'm, I'm, it's just not something that I've done. Done very much, but if you want to go check it out, I, I tweet every now and again. I, sh- I kind of like copy and paste stuff that I post other places onto Twitter. So if that's kind of your jam, go over to at the Hop Nerd one. You can follow along the Hop Nerd on YouTube. And speaking of which, I'm recording this right now. I'm I'm, I'm recording myself doing this podcast. So if you're listening on the podcast, head over to YouTube and you can watch the video after you get done here. Or if you're on YouTube seeing this, this is actually like a, a podcast thing that we do too. So you can head over and search the Hop Nerd podcast and listen to it in like your car and like all that kind of stuff. And you, you're not like that crazy person with your phone on, like trying to watch videos driving down the road. Definitely, 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 definitely don't do that. So with all that being said, you know that I'm on like a little fast, like a fast from social media. So uh, it's there. Sometimes I, I haven't really posted anything, but if I do post some stuff... I don't know. I'm I'm, st- I'm not home. I kind of like post and run. So I'm I'm not like hanging out. I've deleted it off my phone. I have to go to it on my computer, which is like, oh, right. Like who's going to actually type in like uh, Facebook or LinkedIn on, on their computer. But so again, if this is your first episode, just know that I'm not home. So if you want to get in contact with me, probably the easiest way to do that is at the website through those handy dandy contact forms or through email. So if you know of somebody that I should have on the show, if you want me to talk about 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 a particular subject or topic, let me know. Reach out. Let's let's have a chat. So I wanted to share a little bit of a story with you today before we get into today's subject, and it's uh, some of the title of this podcast, and and that is. Flightmare, and I've been on the go. I've I've just got to say I have been on the go, running around like a madman, doing traveling and doing work and having fun, and that's just kind of sort of my normal life. So I'm I'm kind of sort of a little back to my normal life, somewhat. I, I guess as much as you you can be, but I was going to a wedding, and more importantly, I, I had to be at this wedding because I was officiating the wedding, believe that or not, I was officiating the wedding for some friends. So I was going to go either way. There, there, there's some friends, but they, they asked me to officiate the wedding. So I'm leaving out of Sky Harbor Airport. That's the airport here in Phoenix. I get there. I'm like, okay, this is already going to be like a late flight. I'm already kind of dreading this. I'm not going to get in until like midnight, one o'clock. So I'm flying into Minneapolis, St. Paul. I get in at like, uh, or I get to the airport a couple hours early, 
just going to kind of be there, stress-free. Flight's already going to suck, right? It's already going to be one of those kind of things. And then the flight's delayed. And then a couple hours go by, and then the flight's delayed again. And like, I'm to the point of where I'm like, I'm going to tell these people, I'm like, listen, friends, love you, mean it, not coming, going home. If it gets delayed one more time, not going to be there, not going to happen. So finally, the, the, the flight leaves. I get in to, we get in, uh, me and Jarrell, we get into Minneapolis-St. Paul at like three or four in the morning, start trying to find an Uber. It hits me that, you know, there's, there's surge prices now because all the bars are laying out. So an Uber that normally costs like 30 bucks is now like 130 bucks. But finally get the bags, finally get an Uber, finally get to the hotel. By the time we get to the hotel, it's like 5 a.m., 5 a.m. day of the wedding, Right, so the wedding's in like T minus eight hours or something. It's 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 right there. The wedding goes over the hitch. It, it's amazing. Everything's super cool, awesome, fun times. Just just really 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 fun, really cool. Lots of great people. Got to meet a lot of great people. But then coming back, flight gets delayed again. Finally make it into Austin, and then get stranded in Austin all freaking day long, like like all day, all day. All day. My flight's supposed to be home at like midday, but not anymore. Not anymore. And now listen, there are worse places to be stranded in the world other than Austin, Texas. Um, and even the airport in Austin is pretty ballin'. It's pretty sweet. It has a Salt Lake barbecue and it's not the same as like the, like, like the, the legit Salt Lake barbecue. It's like anything that you put in an airport. It's kind of like a, uh, not to be mean, but it's kind of like a cheap imitation of what's outside of the <laughs> outside of the airport. But it's there, right? You can get some barbecue. You can get some brisket. You can get some beer. You can get some coffee. Seats are kind of comfy. It's okay. I'm like, okay, this is fine. Worst places to be stranded. Finally get in. It's like midnight, right? It's like midnight, one o'clock, back into Phoenix. I'm parked way over in like the East Economy parking lot because I'm, I'm a cheapskate and I'm not going to pay like a bazillion dollars for parking. But there's one of those like handy dandy Skytrain, Skytrain shoes that takes you to your car, right? And uh, come to find out, it was closed. So it closed at midnight. The, the, like the time we get there, it's like instantly closed. Uh, and now we have to like find buses and like coordinate all this. It's, it's just wacky. So it takes like an extra hour just to get to the car. Usually something that takes like two minutes. It's like two minutes, right, normally to get to the car. The, the sky choo-choos, the sky trains are usually pretty easy, right? <laughs> it makes things pretty easy. So this is just the beginning of flight mayor, though. So just, just just pause for a second and think. Multiple delays, stranded, stranded, stranded. Every form of transportation is either extremely costly or shut down. And this is just this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of this story that I'm venting to you about. And I'll, I'll be honest, with you, there's no moral here. I'm I'm just sharing with you kind of the headache of being like a traveling person slash safety pro slash all that stuff. So I'm probably preaching to the choir. All my safety friends out there, all my folks kind of in the business that we are in, you know the struggle. You probably know it way more than I do. But but I finally get home. So I get home. It's like two or three in the morning, right? I'm finally dragged home. Because um, we moved out of the city, so I'm like an hour away from the airport now. What makes flight mayor that much worse is I had to be back at the airport now, th the same day, the same day. So like six hours from the time that I get home, I have to be back to the airport. So I take a quick nap. I basically swap out the clothes in my suitcase, and I take off back to the airport because I need to go to Colorado for work. Right. So I, I, I get to the airport. Flight's delayed. Flight's delayed. Flight finally takes off. Finally takes off. We get all the way to our final destination in Colorado. And this is kind of like, I know where I'm at. I've, I've flown into this, flown into this airport like a hundred times. I, I'm looking out the window, looking out the little window and I'm, I, I know where I'm at. And we circle and we circle and we circle and we circle and we circle. 
And I mean, you can only feel like the same like banking left turn so many times before you know that you're circling, right? So we're doing this for like for like 20 minutes, and finally the uh, finally the crew comes over the intercom, and they're like, "Listen, um, there's something going on with the uh, the weather reporting, automated weather." All my pilot friends out there, aviation friends, you probably know way more about what they're talking about than I do. Um, but there's something wrong with it, and it's not working, and we can't land until we get a weather report. So we're going to circle for another little bit, and if that doesn't come through, they don't fix it, we're going to divert back to Phoenix. I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'm not going to work this week. I guess I'll just go back to Phoenix and go home and take a nap. So I was kind of okay either way. But after we circled for about another 20 minutes, the plane finally lands. So I go, I do work. I'm there all week doing just, you know, safety person things. Uh, Had a cool time, all the good stuff, right? Get to the airport, leaving out that afternoon. I'm like, okay, I was there from like Monday till Thursday and I'm like, I'm going to go home. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to get to go home. I'm going to have like a, a nice weekend. I'm just going to sleep because at this point I have slept like none. Right. So that's the, the, that's the, the, the bad part. The worst part about flight mare is I've, I've slept like probably an average of about two or three hours a night at this point. And I get all the way to the airport. I'm there. I'm ready to go. I get like my little cup of coffee, you know, I pull out my computer. I do a little, like, send off a few emails while I'm waiting. Because I'm one of these people that's, like, super early to the airport. That's that's just me. That's that's just who I am. I'm, like, two hours early, damn it. Like, I'm, I'm always like I'm always there early. And this is a very small airport in Colorado. So I, I get there. I get through security just like that. Like, I, and I'm hanging out. And then uh, delayed. And I'm, like, oh, okay, here we go. The, the, the curse of flight mare continues. And then delayed. And then delayed. So the flight's supposed to leave at, like, 4 or 5. By, by the time I look up again and it's delayed like six times, it's like 10 p.m. And they're like, okay, um, listen, there's a really high probability that we're going to cancel this flight. And by the way, this is, we're a very small airport, so TSA's already gone home for the day. And uh, so if you leave, you can't come back in. Oh, and if you leave, um, all the rental car places outside in the terminal are going to be closed in 15 minutes. So you need to decide now if you're going to leave and rent a car, because if not, you're just going to be SOL. You're going to be shit out of luck. You're not going to uh, be able to rent a car. You're just going to have to find a place to stay for the night. And oh, by the way, we're a very small town, so there aren't really any Ubers. And most taxi companies are shut down as well. So you might have to walk to your hotel. Like it's bad. Like it's bad. Or you could just stay here and sleep and wait and see because our next flight will leave around the 5 p.m. tomorrow. Um, So make the judgment call. Um, They're running, you know, kind of traveling, like half traveling with some friends from work, you know, where you're just kind of like you're there together but not. Um, and we're like, you guys want to rent a car? And so we end up renting a car. So we leave, we rent a car. The only car they have left available is like this 27 passenger church van, right? <laughs> so we, it's just like two, three of us in this little like 27 passenger church van to undertake this drive, which is like 10 hours from Phoenix, by the way. So we're, we're through the middle of the night. We drive all the way back. We get all the way back, like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours. We get finally get all the way back to Phoenix only to find out that 10 minutes after we left, the freaking plane took off. They finally, they finally took off. And you know what the problem was? You, can you guess what the problem was? The freaking automated weather thing still. It was broke on Monday. Apparently, they kicked it a few times and it worked. They, they, they unplugged it and plugged it back in and it worked. And then, you know, we're taking off and it broke again. And so instead of actually like fixing the problem, they just kind of like kicked it and like spit on it and hit it with a hammer and then it worked. So all's good, right? All's, all's fine. Until... It helped continue flight mare. And then I flew off, you know, a couple other places. I told you we went to Hawaii. Hawaiian Airlines, what an amazing, what an amazing time. No, no problem in the world, none whatsoever. Uh, I'm, I'm traveling coming up this next week too. 
So fingers crossed, the curse has been broken. I'm, I'm hoping that the trip to Hawaii has broken the curse of Flightmare. But, but we shall see. So by the time you hear this, I've, I've already been there, but I'm going to Tennessee. It's Avery's birthday. She's turning seven, which is going to be awesome. So we're going to Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg area to uh, have a little birthday party with some family that's coming in from Virginia. Super duper, duper, duper cool. So with all that being said, I just had to share that with you. I had to, I had to vent. I had to get that off my chest. I had to give you a little bit of a, a, an insight into what my travel has been like. I'd love to hear how yours has been. I've heard horror stories kind of from across the board right now of folks just like I would rather freaking walk than go into a freaking airport at this point. And that's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind of like, I'm just going to buy a bike. And next time I go east, it's going to be faster to ride the freaking bike. I'm just going to take the bike. That, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, and I don't mean like a room room bike. I mean like, like a mountain bike. I'm just going to take a mountain bike. I'm going to get a horse, a horse, a horse will get me to the east coast faster than, uh, than United Airlines, I think at this point. But, 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 but let me dive into our topic today. And what I want to talk about is this, is tools, not Rules. So I've, I've been having this conversation a bunch because we are so fast to jump to rules as being the solution to our problems and rules being the fix, rules being the cure to all that ails our organization. If we finally just had the right set of rules, then everything would be fine. People would just know what to do because then you just put rules out there and rules are perfect, right? Rules are perfect. And you put your rules out there and then you just tell people to follow them. And if they don't, you beat, blame, shame, or dismiss, right? You, you, you make sure people people follow those rules. And as long as people follow the rules, everything's fine. But how do we get so many of these freaking rules? Some of it comes from that mentality that they fix things, that if you finally get enough rules, right? But usually we have problems. We have problems and we see rules as a fix. So every time we have an operational upset, an operational surprise, a boo-boo, we have, we have a boo-boo, right? We have a scraped finger. We have uh, maybe something more catastrophic than that. We're very, very quick to jump on the rule train. We go, let's throw some rules at this. This is this is awesome. It fixes those bad people, and it's super easy for us as an organization just to throw some rules at the problem. But what do they actually do? I think the short and sweet answer to that is rules really don't freaking do a lot. Let's let's just let's just throw that out there, right? That rules don't actually do much, if anything. So rules aren't controls. Rules do not save lives. No matter how many freaking times we call them life-saving rules, I've never seen a rule that has saved someone's life. E ever, ever, in, in, in any way, shape, or form, in any part of my career, either as a safety professional, as a firefighter responding to some maybe bad, dumb things that, that have happened, right? I've never seen, you know, what to save that person, uh, rule, rule, rule would have definitely done it. No, rules do not save lives. Rules are not controls. Rules are not curative. Rules are not fixes. So rules probably should act more as guides, right? They shouldn't be viewed as kind of this end-all, be-all, cure, fix, control. It's more of a guide, right? A rule should be more of a guide. So how do we end up in this place of more and more and more and more rules, though? I think that's important because it's one of the big things that leads to us having these this just clutter, this gigantic freaking mass of just rules and thou shouts, and we hand people these books that are th thick as a Bible, like double Bible, and say, here's your safety rules. You follow these, everything will be fine. Then when something bad happens, we excavate back through and either find out, A, we didn't have a rule, so we need to add another, or B, they didn't follow the rules, so we need to shit count them. It, it, that's how that works, right? That's exactly how that works. But we apply rules to people ultimately because we don't trust them, right? We don't trust 
people, even more if something happens. Because now we say, look, you have demonstrated to me that I cannot trust you. So obviously I need more oversight and control of you. And I'm going to do that through rules and observation of you working in accordance to said rules. Now, where does that really come from? It's because we still view air as a purposeful choice. Workers choose in our mind, organizationally, in our organizations, in our minds, sometimes as leaders, we truly believe that workers choose to get maimed, killed, hurt, etc. Workers choose to blow stuff up. Workers choose to cut off their digis, their digits. Workers choose to blind themselves. Workers choose to lose a toe or a leg. Workers choose to cause millions of dollars worth of damage. Workers choose, workers choose, choose, choose. It's all just a choice. Everything is just a choice. If we just get them to follow the rules, if we just get them to not be such bad workers. That's really where we're at with rules. If you really peel back all the layers on that rotten onion, what we're really saying is that we need to make sure that people are better people because if bad things are happening to them, it's because they're not good enough people. They're not good enough workers. This kind of stuff wouldn't happen to good workers because good workers would follow the rules, right? It's that simple. So if it's that simple, look, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit as a safety professional because I, I, I'm just, for me, look, if it's going to just be, uh, if it's that easy, we just need to write a rule. We'll write one rule that says, do not get hurt at work. And anyone that gets hurt will just shit can them because obviously they weren't a good enough worker slash person slash human to follow that rule. And if they were, they wouldn't have gotten hurt at work. So we take those rules, we throw those out there, they grow and grow and grow and grow. We need more rules to control these bad people. We need more punishment around these rules to, again, control these bad people, these bad workers. But again, what do they do? They don't really accomplish anything. They're not controls, they're not curative, and they don't freaking save lives, no matter how many posters you printed on that says, these are our six life-saving rules. They don't save lives. They don't actually stop any bad things from happening. They're freaking words on paper. It, it's, it's, it's that simple, right? They're words on paper. They don't change the bad shit that can happen in your working environment. So how about this? How about this? Let's, let's, let's back up. Let's back up just a little bit. How about instead of rules, we set standards and not so much around the behaviors of individual contributors, which is where we like to pin a lot of blame within our organizations. If it wasn't for those pesky employees that do all of our work for us, then maybe, you know, if it wasn't for how dumb they are, if it wasn't for how rude they are, stupid they are, maybe, maybe things would be okay. Let's back up and let's say, let's focus on standards. Again, not on the behaviors of the individual contributors, but more, more on maybe our working environments, maybe our company standards. Holistically, who are we? What are we focused on? What should our working environments look like? Let's set standards around those things. Let's focus on those standards rather than pouring rules down upon those bad, bad, bad employees that have bad things happen to them at work. Let's focus on creating environments in which people can be successful. Let's focus on creating environments in which it's easier to be safe than it is not. Right? I'm, I'm not trying to dumb this down or trying to make this that simple because it's not, but I think there's something there around this idea of it should be really, really, really hard to get hurt at work, right? It, it should be really, really hard. 
It shouldn't be so easy that it takes me making one mistake for me to die, right? It should not be that easy. It, there, there, it should not be that easy. And you don't, you don't put distance between worker and death with fucking paper. You just don't. Sorry for my F-bomb, but you just don't, right? The only thing that that thousand page, that thousand page rule book is going to do is going to work well if like they're holding it and someone tries to shoot them, right? Then it might be a control. It might be helpful, right? But for anything else, you don't put distance between worker and death with more and more and more and more rules, right? You go into this with this idea that we should make it harder to die at work. We should make it easier to be safe at work to where even if multiple errors occur because they're going to, because I'm a person and that's what happens to people, it's going to be really, really, really hard for me to connect those dots to me getting significantly maimed, killed, scalded, burned, stuff cut off, blinded, et cetera, at work. That's going to be a really hard thing for me to do. It's probably, can it happen? For sure. It will. It will happen at some point, but it should be very, 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 very hard for that to occur. So tying this back into the tools, not rules. How about this? Let's try this one for size. We create tools that make it easier to be safe than it is not. And not tools, not tools that are not tools. Does that make sense? Not tools that are not tools. I, th I, think, I think that came out right. Not tools that are not tools. <laughs> but what I mean by that is this. I'm not going, I'm working on stuff at the house. I'm not going to drive down to Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever your local hardware store is, and buy a tool, pay money for a tool, invest my time as a, as a worker to go down to the store to buy a tool that makes my job less efficient, harder, and makes no sense for me why I would use it. Right? I'm not going to go down there and spend 100 bucks on something that I'm going to bring home and it's going to triple the time that it takes me to do my work. It's going to make it more painful for me to do my work. So that's what I mean by tools that are actually tools. Tools should help workers home, I don't know, accomplish work. Right? It should make it easier to be safe than it's not. Make work more efficient. All of the above, right? All of those things, all of those things, right? There, there's been this idea that's permeated safety for a very long time, which I think is just dumb. But it's like, if the more inefficient that we make work, the safer that it will be. No, the more inefficient that you make work, the more workarounds that you will develop, right? People are going to create efficiency. That's what we do. If I see something as valueless, if I see something, even if it might have a little bit of value, and it seems just so much of a time suck that it doesn't make sense to me, I'm going to make up my own way of doing it. And I I might get it wrong and I might get it right. That's what's going to happen. So if you're creating inefficiency in your systems through these kind of wonky tools that aren't really tools, they're really pain sources. They're really sources of suffering for your workers. You're just going to be fooling yourself. You're just going to say, well, look at all these really cool, stringent, super stringent, strict safety programs that we have. We are making freaking kick butt safety programs. They're not doing anything other than just people hiding their workarounds from you. That's really the only thing that's happening. But back to that point, we should make it easier to be safe than it's not. We should be focusing on setting standards, not so much rules. We should be focusing on tools that are actually tools, tools that actually help workers do something, right? It, it can't just be that we throw out rules and procedures and even tools, even very useful tools that might even work if they're super duper inefficient and don't make sense to the folks that actually use them. The best way to find out what works for the folks that need those tools, the best way to find out what tools they actually need is, hmm, I don't know. Maybe talk to the folks that need those tools to begin with. Maybe talk to the folks that actually do the work. There you go. That's what I've got for today. Again, more tools, less rules. More tools, 
less rules. Give folks more choices. Give folks more tools. Teach them, train them, help grow competency within your workforce around making the best choices possible in those situations, right? It's back to this thing about it's, it's, it's far better, and I think I've said this a couple times on the podcast at this point, but I keep spewing this every chance that I get, but it is far better to render folks, for those folks in your care, those folks that you care for, it is far better to render them competent than it is to try to keep them safe, right? You're never going to be, I, I compare this to my daughter, Right? You're ne- I'm never going to be at every swimming pool. I'm never going to be at every creek, crick, whatever you want to call it, stream. I'm never going to be at every water park. So I'm not going to stand there and think that I'm always going to be there to jump in to, to protect her from drowning. I'm going to teach her how to swim. I'm going to render her competent. Right. So give folks more options. Give folks more tools. Teach them how to use them. Train them how to use them. Help grow competency in your workforce rather than trying to freaking dumb it down through rules and think that you're actually doing anything because you're not. You're not. You're just patting yourself on the back. You're just in this, this, uh, uh, I was going to say something much more rude, but I'll say a circle of backpacks. How about back pats, pat, padding backs, a circle of padding backs. There we go. That wasn't going to be the original circle, uh, example that I was going to use, but I'll, I'll stay away from that one. Um, <laughs> but you're in this circle of padding everyone in the back and look at all the cool rules we got. Look at all the cool rules we got. We're really protecting our employees. Look at this. We can put them on posters and everybody thinks we're super duper safe and you're really not doing anything right? Create stuff that's valuable for your people. Create stuff that helps folks do their job, right? That, that empowers them, that bolsters them in their capabilities. Help grow competency. You do that not through rules. You do that through tools. There you go. That's all I've got. Sam Goodman, the hot nerd. Again, I'm recording this thing live. So for everybody that's uh, like, you know, this he's definitely not recording these. I do. I do these completely live, completely off the cuff. Usually, you know, I, I, I'll level with you. I've got like a little like note sheet because I knew I was going to be recording this on the camera. Um, but it's like four bullets. It's like, tell the story about the plane. Talk about tools, not rules. <laughs> make sure you make sure you talk about the website. So go to the website, www.thehopnerd.com. Make sure you like, share, you subscribe. Again, if you're listening to this on the podcast, head over and check out the YouTube channel. It's at The Hop Nerd. You can watch the video of me sitting here ranting. You can watch me like wave my arms around and scream and do all this kind of cool stuff. And if you're watching this on the, uh, on the old YouTube, cruise over to the website and uh, to the website, yeah, because you can find the podcast on the website, duh. Uh, or just search the Hop Nerd. You can find the Hop Nerd podcast, and you can listen to it in your ear holes. You can listen to it in, in with your in with your ear holes in your car. You can throw in some headphones at the gym. It's 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 a blast. It's a, it's a lot of fun. That's all I've got. Until next time, Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, signing off. <gasps> Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>